The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. So good to uh, be with you. If you don't know me, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here at King's. may take me just a few moments to uh, sort the bits and pieces out here. Um, I'm just going to be uh, preaching for about the next 30 minutes. Um, and then at the end of that, we're going to be taking um, bread and wine um, together. I'm just going to move this. Otherwise, I'll be treading on it all. Brilliant. Excellent. So welcome to Vision Sunday. This is an opportunity for me just to share a little bit about uh, where we're looking to go, go over this term um, and what we're hoping uh, that God will do among us. I, I want to just start by saying Happy New Year to you all. Um, I hope you've uh, had a good New Year so far. It hasn't been too much of a sort of a, a, a sort of a too much all in one go. Certainly feels like that to me. Sort of like you've had Christmas and then you get into the New Year and it's sort of like all chaos um, breaks loose. So, but hopefully Hopefully that is not the case um, for all of you. Um, as we heard on church news today, um, our season of prayer um, started. We were praying um, in this building at 8.45 and it was great to be gathering together to pray. And I'm, I'm really excited about it because I think these seasons of prayer give us opportunities corporately to gather and to seek God for his blessing, to seek God for his breakthrough. And uh, in what I share this morning, I think that will give you a bit of fuel for your prayers. But I think as well, these are brilliant opportunities for you personally to do business with God. Um, I've, I've been reading Hebrews at the moment, and the start of Hebrews talks about the danger of drifting. The danger of drifting. Now, the problem is, if you drift, if you're in a boat and you're drifting, two problems. One is, it doesn't take any effort to drift. All you need to do is do nothing. And secondly, you probably don't know that it's happening. And if you're in a boat and maybe you're opposite the marina and you're not paddling or doing anything, the current will take you wherever it wants to go. And that is the same for our lives as well. If we are not deliberately active in our pursuit of Jesus and our connection with him, more than likely you are drifting away from him because the weight of society doesn't like God. In actual fact, it hates God and it will pull you away. And so this, this season of prayer is a great opportunity for you just to review, where am I at right now? Where was I at a year ago? What did my walk with Jesus look like? How was that being put into practice? And just take a little bit of a time to think, do you know what? Have I drifted without even realising it over the case of the last 12 months? Maybe I'm not quite where I was before. And this, this season, these three weeks, gives a brilliant opportunity for you to connect with Jesus. I've heard of different people who are doing different things um, fasting, praying, setting aside time on Wednesdays to go after God, things like that. Doesn't matter what you do, but let me appeal to you, friends, church, don't just drift. Don't just go with the flow, but take an opportunity over the next three weeks to review how things are going, where you're up to, what is going on with your life, because God wants you to be active in your faith and active in your pursuit. There's an invitation for you to do that. Yes. 
that, by the way, wasn't the preach. But um, I'm now just pausing for a moment to, to think. Um, it's interesting, last, last term, we, we did the Nutrients Preach series. Can you remember that? And we looked at grace, faith, thanksgiving, and forgiveness. These four things are, these four areas are brilliant if you don't want to drift. If you are growing in your faith, more than likely you won't be drifting. If you're growing in the grace of God in your life, I mean, for me personally, you know what? For me personally, what really struck me last term was the whole area of forgiveness. If I'm honest, I I, I sort of took the lead on the forgiveness one, partly thinking because I didn't have any problems. So I thought, I know, I'll I'll do forgiveness because, you know, that would be all right. I won't have any problems there. And I was amazed at how many times through last term, God highlighted people I needed to forgive. And at the start of the term, I really didn't think I had any problems at all. He just took me on a journey, some of them really little and it was really easy. And others, if I'm honest, I was up at night, do you know what I mean? Rather than going to bed, I was pacing around my living room trying to process what was going on on the inside and coming to a point where I realised I needed to forgive, I needed to let go. If we are growing in forgiveness, grace, thanksgiving and faith, it will stop us being ineffective in our following of Jesus. It stops us being, stops us drifting. I just want to encourage you um, in that. Now, we've been praying as a team and seeking God about this term. Where should we go? What should we focus on? And we, we, we sort of used three different areas, really, just to give ourselves a bit of an idea of it. One was we just were thinking, well, where are we up to as a church? What is going on with us at the moment? And uh, one of the things, if I'm honest, that's been on my heart for a while is, is the fact that I don't think we're seeing as many people responding to the gospel as we used to. And although we baptised 12 people last term, which is really good, absolutely loved it, we're not seeing as many come to know him as we used to. Um, Apostolically, we had words from people like Dave Holden and Jeremy Simpkins, and they were encouraging us to push out, to take risks, to, to step out, to take the kingdom out. And we also had various different prophetic words as well on the run-up to this term that have been helpful to us. There was one word from someone from the kids team that spoke about, about the children leading adults towards Jesus. And, and a whole sense of what God does among our children will overflow um, to us as adults. There was another prophetic word that we had about a combine harvester parked up, but, but everyone picking up like a sickle. Does everyone know what a sickle is? Sort of like, it's like a curvy knife thing, and you use it to cut corn or wheat. And it's, it's like, we, we didn't have the combine harvester going out, but we had every single person in the congregation going out with a, a knife or a sickle and, and cutting ears of corn going to the sort of byways and the highways, going out foraging, looking for stalks of corn. It wasn't sort of like a combine harvester. It wasn't like me as the pastor driving this big piece of machinery up and down the field and lots of people coming to know Jesus that way. It was actually every single one of us going out into where God has led us to, where he has positioned us and us making a difference among the people around us. 
And there was also a prophetic word that came one Sunday here. And it was based on Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. And I just want to spend a few moments really giving you some my thoughts on this passage. So if you've got your Bibles um, on your phone or a good old paper version of it, um, turn to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Um, if not, the words will come up behind me. And I'm going to read it to you, um, and then we're going to spend a bit of time looking at it and seeing what we can learn from it together. Now, tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbours together and he says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. And here Jesus is talking about going after the lost sheep. He's talking about going for the one. And the reason, the reason he does that, and the reason I'm really interested in it, is because if we believe what the Bible says, we have got, if you're a Christian here today, you have got the best news ever. You have got absolutely outstanding news that will make a difference for you, not just today, but forever and ever and ever and ever. When you understand it and you accept it and you put it into practice in your life, it will change your eternal destiny and it's only followers of Jesus who have got it. So how we apply this passage and how we communicate to people who don't know Jesus is really, really important because this isn't something we can be blasé about. It's not something of marginal importance. It is the most important news on the face of the planet. Your relationship to Jesus and whether you know him and you've been found by him or whether you don't know him and you are lost. And each of us has been put in remarkably different situations. Claire is a school teacher. Josh is at university. Noah is at college. Richard is a man of leisure. <laughs> but we've all been put, we've all been put in different situations. We all have a unique part of the harvest field that we work in that no one else works in probably other than you. There might be a few other Christian friends you've got there, but you have been put in this remarkably unique position. And although we know in the end that it is Jesus that saves, we also know that each of us gets to play an individual role in telling people about him, demonstrating something of his love, serving people's needs, going to where they're at. Do you remember Paul spoke a few months ago um, about getting out the boat? Like Peter got out the boat and being courageous and he said we're called to be like bits of sandpaper. We're called to have a bit of a rough edge to make a difference. We're not called just to go with the flow in that sense. I've still got my piece of sandpaper because I know that's what God has called us to be. Light 
in darkness. Salt in, in bland food. He's called us to make a difference. So how about you? So let's have a look. Let's have a look at this passage. And I've got six or seven points, but we may not do them all. If I, if I get carried away on one or two, we will, we will jump and uh, just see how we go. Firstly, going for the one, going for the lost sheep reflects God's heart. In the end, this passage is all about God's heart for people who do not know him, like me and like you. Before you knew him, you needed a saviour. Going for the one reflects God's heart. And our Father in heaven is not passive or indifferent when it comes to salvation. We are leaning on an open door. God is infinitely willing to receive people who do not know him. However far away they may be, he is infinitely willing. And just even now as we're sat here, just to think, do you know what? If, If God hadn't come for me, if God hadn't come for you, where would we be? Going for the one reflects God's heart. Number two. Going for the one is a choice. If the shepherd had decided that the 99 were the priority, the one would have remained lost. That's the truth, isn't it? If the shepherd had said, no, no, what I should really be doing is looking after the 99, the one would have remained lost. Now, sheep are silly creatures. They wander away They get lost, they get tangled in thorns and bushes, they fall down pits, they get stuck in rivers, they need help, they need saving. So do we, don't we? We we make mistakes. When this happens, the shepherd leaves most of the sheep to look after themselves while he goes looking for the one in trouble. Now, if I'm honest, as a pastor, my job description, well, I don't know if it is my job description, actually, I, won't, I haven't read it for a while, but, but I'm aware as a pastor that most of my time, most of my focus is on the 99. That's, that's where I give my time. I wonder, actually, if you looked at your time, where most of your time goes. Is it with the 99 or is it with the one? I don't even really like the ratio very much. One to 99? I mean, I quite like maths, but I'm thinking, no, I don't think I would leave the 99 for the one. I don't know about you. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, that's that's quite a lot there, 99. Well, what about if there's 20? I might do it for 20. No, I don't think I'd do it for 20. I think I'd need to be getting up to nearly a 50-50 split before I went. But but that's not not reflection of God's, God's heart. Although he has 100 sheep, He will not lose one. Going for the one is a choice. And if we're to reflect God's heart, it it means us being deliberate in the decisions that we make. Number three, going for the one is costly. I notice that the shepherd's work is self-denying. He went and found the lost sheep and then brought it home on his shoulders. He didn't leave it in the wilderness. It shows that his concern is active and working. The shepherd 
<laughs> this is more like me. The shepherd doesn't sit there bemoaning the fact that the sheep got lost. That silly sheep, why on earth did he get lost? He, he goes searching, although it's much easier to stay put. How about, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've, I love being here all together. I, I genuinely do. I've, I've loved worshipping Jesus with you guys this morning. I love it when we come and pray. Do I have the same compassion and concern for the one that Jesus reflects in that parable? I don't know if I do. How about yourself? And I wonder if there's something in this about us helping people into church. Do you notice the shepherd carries the sheep on his shoulders? I think he does. <laughs> I wonder if at the start, maybe when people give their lives to following him, it's hard for people to get settled into church life. I think there's something on our, for, for us, if you've been around in church for a while, to help others get into church until they've become established. I think there's something costly about this. At the very start of the passage, did you notice Jan? Is it Jan? I can't see who's behind the AV. Oh, Hudson, sorry, you don't look like Jan. Oops. So... Could we put the passage back up? Just uh, Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. There's, there's something of a cost to this. Who is Jesus eating with? Who's round Jesus' meal table it's tax collectors and sinners. That's who he's spending his time with. Who's, who do we have around our meal table? Who, who is it that we open our lives to? Number four, Hudson. Go for the one is joy giving. Have you noticed in that passage that we read, Three times joy is mentioned. It talks about the joy of in heaven. How can the perfect joy of heaven ever uh, increase? Well, it does when one sinner repents. That's cool, isn't it? There is, there is joy in heaven. Jesus rejoices to save those who are far away from him. He finds real pleasure in the rescue but it also talks about here that the shepherd joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders carries it back to the flock someone said this surely there can be no greater joy than saving souls we can often think that telling people about Jesus is is like frightening or heavy but this passage communicates that it is joy giving it is joy giving as well um, I don't know, maybe, maybe today you're a bit flattened down. You know, start of the new year, maybe you're worried about what this year holds for you and I don't want to belittle that. But maybe, maybe if we shared our faith more and we spoke more about who Jesus is to us and what he's done, maybe we'd be more joyful. That's what the passage seems to indicate, that 
that as we do this, as we uh, look to search for those that don't know Jesus, as we find our voices in this area, it is joy-giving to us. It has an impact on what's going on the inside. So if you're flat, if you're struggling at the moment, why not see if you can share your faith with someone this week? Look for an opportunity to tell someone what Jesus has done for you. Number five, going for the one, whoever they might be. Jesus loved to go for the worst kind of people. He loved to go after people in special need of a saviour. This is what the grace of God is like. Remember, I mean, we, we think sort of tax collectors, I don't know what we think of tax collectors, but tax collectors were corrupt, oppressive people working with Roman occupiers. They were probably like a modern day loan shark mixed with the inland revenue. I mean, in a sense, they were corrupt. And the inland revenue isn't, but you know what I mean. In a sense, they're collecting taxes in that way. Sinners were a group of people not allowed to go into synagogues. They were despised by so good, so-called good people. Jesus loved to spend time with them. Jesus was gracious to them. They didn't feel humiliated by him. The Pharisees were judgmental of tax collectors and sinners and so never won any of them. Jesus was warm, reassuring and inviting and he did win some of them. And it's not that he wasn't straight with them. I mean, just think about Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. When he heard Jesus' message, how did he respond? He gave half his possessions to the poor and if he defrauded anyone, and he probably had defrauded a lot of people, he repaid them four times the amount that he'd defrauded. Can you imagine if when you became a Christian, your first heart response would have been, give away half of everything you've got? Wow. That's what Zacchaeus did in responding to the message. Going for the one. What about us? In Matthew 9, 36 to 38, it says this. I don't think I've got the passage there. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew, 30, Matthew 9. Verse 36 to 38. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That's relevant for us. Let me just, as we're sort of closing, ask just a few questions of you. Firstly, where has God placed you? Who is in front of you? God has put each of us in unique situations with people who don't know Jesus. And part of the reason you're there is to make a difference. Where has God placed you and who is in front of you? A good starting point is just to pray for God's blessing upon them. 
what you, what you know about them. Pray. Maybe, maybe they, they, they're sick and they need healing. You can pray for that. Maybe they've got a financial difficulty. You can pray for God's provision in it. Maybe they're struggling with anxiety or, I don't know, pray blessing on their family. But then look for opportunities to demonstrate Jesus both in words and actions. It may, be, it may be just a kindness to them. It may be something, you know, you give them something. You're, you're generous in that way. It may be that you just share a little bit about what you did at the weekend and they say, oh, what did you get up to at the weekend? Well, actually, you'll never believe it. I gathered with hundreds of other people to worship Jesus. I went to church. And maybe they're the sorts of things in words and actions in order to make a difference. On the way in, hopefully you received one of these handouts. You know, it's got the front, pray for the one. And the idea is, what we thought is, well, you might find it a helpful prompt. In the middle, in the middle of the wheel, so to speak, just write the name of one person that God puts on your heart that doesn't know him. And then every day for the next 21 days that we are praying together, pray for God's blessing on them. And see what God does. See what doors he opens. Who knows? And then lastly, this is the lastly bit. Going for the one is what Jesus did. The very reason Jesus came, isn't this true? The very reason Jesus came was to save sinners, to save rebels who were away from him. And every single one of us was in that position before, before he revealed himself to us. Jesus came for the one. He's always desired people from every tribe, tongue and language and he does it one person at a time. The woman at the well, Zacchaeus, the rich young ruler, calling of Levi, Lazarus coming out the grave that we heard about earlier. The woman with the issue of blood, the deaf man, the blind man. Jesus deals with one person at a time, the person that was in front of him. It's what he did with us. It's what he did with me. There was a moment where he revealed himself to me. Didn't matter if there was a thousand people in the room or I was just there on my own. In the end, Jesus did something to me and that's what he did to each of you that knows him. Going for the one is what Jesus did and I'm so grateful that he did. You know, there might be, there might be, there will be numbers of you here today and you don't know Jesus. You don't. But do you know what? He cares for you. He desperately cares for you. He cares that much that he died for you on a cross to remove that barrier of sin, that, 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 that self-centeredness, that rebellion that lives in the heart of every single one of us. He did it because he loves us. He came to make a way because we couldn't do it ourselves. Even now, I know he's working in some of your hearts. He is. You've probably maybe never heard anything like this before. You've never been in an in atmosphere like when we were worshipping earlier and you, you sensed something different. That's because God is here. God dwells with his people. 
and he cares about you. And if you want to find out more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, there's two things you can do. One, you could talk to Paul, who was hosting. Paul and Ros were hosting at the end of the meeting, and they would be very happy to tell you more about him. Or you may want to sign up for the Alpha course. But if I'm honest, I'd say don't wait for the Alpha course. Come and talk to Paul and Ros first. But we have a unique opportunity, church, to make a difference to a world that does not know Jesus. And when Kate brought that prophetic word about Lazarus coming out of the grave with the grave clothes on, I thought what, how Paul led us was absolutely outstanding, absolutely brilliant. But if I'm honest, I feel there's a slight twist to it as well. I wonder if for a number of us, we're still wearing our grave clothes and it's like, it's like grave clothes binding us up of fear and timidity and it's like we're all right in church, but, but when we're out of church among normal people, not Christians, it's like we're wearing grave clothes and we're not able to express who we really are. We're like hidden away in there. And that's not how God has made us to be. He's made us to reflect something of the beauty of God. And so as we close right now, and actually if I can invite the band up wherever you may be, That'd be brilliant. We're going to have an opportunity to take bread and wine. And we're going to do it in groups. Groups, maybe half a dozen. Have a look around. Don't, don't let anyone be left out unless they want to be. That's absolutely fine. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can join a group, but don't take the bread and wine because it doesn't mean anything to you. And I, I just want to encourage you, invite you to start by just giving thanks for that moment when Jesus revealed himself to you. Just spend that opportunity to pray together and give thanks. But then, after you've done that, I want you in your groups to pray that we would see more people coming to know Jesus this year than we did last year or the year before. That we would see an increase in it, that we would be bolder in our witness as we follow Jesus. Does that make sense? You've been very quiet today. I think it's because it's so lovely, warm and toasty in here. Do you think it is? Why don't we stand up and I'm going to pray for you. Can I invite you to raise your hands? Joe jo Mutu shared earlier with me, she said she thought that everything we're looking at doing as a church this year is only possible empowered by the Holy Spirit. That there's, there's fresh wells of the Holy Spirit. We are, we are, as a church, are a well of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, Holy Spirit, please, would you come and fall right now? as you were so with us as we worshipped earlier. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us right now. I pray, would you come and empower us, Lord, to be bold, courageous, vocal, serving witnesses of you. Lord, if we're not that, if we're not that, we're not fulfilling who we are, our identity, who we are as witnesses of Jesus Christ. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, please would you fill us right now. Lord, for those that even now just feeling overwhelmed and just timid, they, they know in their situations, they, they feel so scared to even open their mouths. I pray for a boldness, a courage. I pray for creative opportunities to be able to demonstrate you both in word and action. 
Lord, I ask you, Lord God, that we would see more and more people gathering with us Sunday by Sunday who do not know you. Lord, and I pray for those who are here right now who don't know you, they're not followers of you. I pray, Holy Spirit, please would you reveal Jesus to them. You are the best. Lord, and I, I'm unashamed of saying right here, right now, Lord God, that, that, that you are the best and that's why we want people to know about you. Come and have your way, we pray. Holy Spirit, come have your way, we pray in Jesus' name.